Hey everyone, we have received exceptional support for the Diaries Plus. It means so much to us. It's been a tough year for us. We're down on sponsors, but you keep lifting us up and making this show possible. And because of that, we get to keep making more cool shows for you. So today we're releasing a new series on Diaries Plus called Good, Good, Bad. Trips, adventures, and fiascos that define our lives. On New Year's Eve 2023, Mason Gravelly slid a stand-up paddleboard into the tannin-stained waters of Lake Okeechobee and embarked on an adventure he's been dreaming of for years, an unsupported crossing of one of our country's biggest lakes. Between the weather, toxic algae, and alligators, he was told it was preposterous. But Mason's journey was a culmination of years of Florida adventures and a passion for conservation. Here's a little taste of the first good, good, bad episode, Alligator Lake. Wherever you are is an adventurous place to people that aren't from there. And so it's like, I'll be honest, right now at this point in my life, I would never leave within an hour or two of my home if I could. And I'd probably, that's probably going to change at some point. But right now, that's like my reality. And I did not see that coming. Like, I I would have laughed at you if you you said that's the way you're going to think in five years. And so... It, it, all of us have to go through it. Like, oh, adventure is elsewhere or life and fulfillment and what we're looking for is elsewhere. And I think part of maturing and just part of just living this life is one, going through that. And two, <laughs> realizing everything you need is right here. You know, how many times have people told us that, but it, it takes learning it yourself, you know? Subscribe to Plus Now for the full story and access to all new episodes. As always, Thank you for your support. Now, on to the show. It's okay. There's going to be planes. There's going to be planes. We're, we're in the field today, everyone. So, excuse our bad audio. There's going to be some planes. Where are we right now, Ashley? We're at the University of Washington campus. It's about a block away from our office. Where are we on the campus? I don't actually know what this area is called, but we're surrounded by cherry blossoms, like in central campus. And usually... This would be teeming with approximately 7,000 people selfieing with, like, selfie sticks. And it's like this ritual to come here. And it is completely empty right now. I think a lot of you know that Seattle is struggling with the coronavirus. It's been kind of crazy. It's a little bit of a ghost town. And it's strange. Um, And it's also kind of stressful. The reality is that it is, like, there's just this low-grade unease kind of surrounding us all right now and I'm curious Ashley how do you typically deal with that kind of stress because it's for real right now I get outside I feel like I go and look for fresh air it's been warm and pretty sunny here in Seattle lately so the cherry blossoms are starting to bloom and the birds are extra chirpy so it's just incredible how quickly my mood can change if I'm just outside for a little bit and I go wash my hands what about you? So mostly I run. I think that, that works really well. Um, and then I think humor, too. I think laughter, um, particularly with close friends, that's kind of how I deal with it. I, this has always been my coping mechanism. Um, I think it just breaks up the darker feelings a little bit. And it, it just balances it. And I remember I had this accident eight years ago in the mountains. And I took this big fall. I hurt my insides. I broke my ankle. And basically I had to crawl for a very, very long time, like eight hours of crawling. 
out of the mountains and I was with my good friend Mikey and I don't think that's probably one of the days I've laughed the most in the mountains and so I think that's that's kind of how I deal with it um yeah um even now I think like when like I think when we get stressed out as a family and like the kids are all like ah or whatever I think I that's how dad jokes get made it's basically I think they're a way to like calm everything down and so yeah humor for me let's hear a dad joke I could use one right now Am I saying it funny? Are you really asking for a dad joke? Because that, you, you might. Okay, um, ready. Hear it, radio voice. So, it seems like we could all use something a little delightful in our lives. We have got a fantastic story. It's my assumption that you'll love it. It would be a catastrophe if you don't. <laughs> I think those are puns, not dad jokes. <laughs> But hey, hey, I'm not a dad, so you, your call. Uh, yeah, well, I feel kind of embarrassed doing those. That's, those are pretty terrible. Anyway, uh, you'll see why I was making those terrible puns. Um, we all like an underdog tale. Yep, we do. A fun story. An against all odds situation where the most unlikely star shines. Seriously, who doesn't? Today, producer Ashley Langholtz, that's you, brings a story about an unexpected partnership in one of the most bizarre forms of racing humans have ever created. Two ultra-athletes show us what happens when you combine the love of running, hard work, a 10-foot lead rope, and a dash of crazy. Underdogs come in many different shapes and sizes. I'm Fitzka Hall. And I'm Ashley Langholtz. Welcome to the Dirtbag Diaries. And our little field trip today in this intro. Cool. Which one, sir? Uh, the one lying down. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> She'll come slowly. The so, littlest one. The littlest one. Oh. So this is Buttercup. This is Ricky Bobby, Napoleon Dynamite, <laughs> and Snickers. Swarming. Hey. Burro is basically the Spanish word for a wild donkey. Come on. She has such a sweet nature. She's super sweet now and around people she's super sweet, but when she's out there running, she's like a fire-breathing dragon. <laughs> this is Marvin Sandoval. Cordelia and I are just outside of Leadville, Colorado. We're in a pasture with Marvin and his four donkeys. He keeps them here in the off-season. In the summer of 2019, Marvin and his mini donkey Buttercup became unlikely running partners. Buttercup is incredibly cute. She has long, fuzzy ears, tiny hooves, and a sweet mohawk. She's about the size of a Great Dane and easily the smallest of Marvin's donkeys. He leans down and scratches her forehead. Hi, Buttercup. Ah, here you go. She is a little bit wild. Like... Sometimes when I'm running and if I get too close to her on the side, like she'll try to kick me. I've actually been kicked in every race I've done with her. Even so, they make a great team. I don't know. She's just very lovable. I'd rather run with her than run by myself. Looking at Marvin, surrounded on all sides by donkeys, it's hard to imagine that until a year and a half ago, 
He wasn't interested in donkeys or burrow racing. But now it's something I am very interested in, and, well, it has become my new passion. I thoroughly enjoy running, but then all of a sudden running with a burrow, it was, it was a different kind of running because it wasn't at the speed that you would just normally run at. And it was just very challenging because you were kind of at the mercy of this wild animal because it's not like you can tell the donkey to run or, or run next to him and he's just going to run with you. It's kind of whatever they are interested in at that point in time, they're going to do. Marvin hasn't always liked running. He remembers back to being a teenager and camping with his friend Mike and watching a slow stream of runners in the Leadville 100 pass by camp. And I remember Mike and I just looking and thinking, man, these guys are crazy. Never in the world would we ever do that. In the years that followed, Marvin held to that promise. He went off to college on a wrestling scholarship, came back and started a career in education, and he built a home where he and his family live, and he settled into a routine. I was just kind of, I wouldn't say in a bad place in my life, but just kind of in a down place in my life. And I was uh, driving through town, and it just so happened that the Leadville 100 bike race was going on. Starts and finishes right there in downtown Leadville. Marvin stopped and watched a friend from high school come across the finish line. And I was like, what the heck? That guy's just did the, you know, the Leadville 100 mountain bike race. And then as I just watched more people come through, I'm like, next year, I'm going to do that. He bought a mountain bike and signed up. In 2009, Marvin finished his first 100-mile mountain bike race. He did it again the following year. Then, one of Marvin's friends upped the ante and convinced him to sign up for the lead man. In one of the epicenters of endurance mountain sports in America, take a second to imagine what that might mean. If you're thinking trail marathon, 50-mile mountain bike race, 100-mile mountain bike race, 10K, and then, just as a little warm down, a 100-mile run, all in about two months' time, you're on the right track. Sound insane? It is. So that year, I signed up for the Leadman, and, and it was the first year that I actually entered a race. I did a 5K. Marvin's first running race was a small start to the big races that followed that summer. The next week, he was at the starting line of his first race of the Leadman, the Trail Marathon. Once he finished that, he raced the 50-mile bike, 100 bike, 10K. And then for the big dance, the 100-mile run, which when I was a little kid, I was like, there is no way. Those people, are, it's just a different kind of crazy. But I uh, went and did it, and it was literally probably the most pain that I've ever been in. And I just remember hiking as fast as I possibly can because running was not an option for me anymore. It's just my ankles, my joints, like every part of my body just hurt. But I remember crossing that line and once again, I was just like, oh, I just accomplished something. But that is the only time I'm going to do that. And then it was about two weeks later when I was like, you know what? I wonder what I could do if I just put my mind to it and trained a little bit more and worked a little bit harder for it. Since 2011, Marvin has competed in the Leadman every year, and he won it in 2015. I thought it was amazing how you could truly accomplish things when you just set your mind to it. I guess that's why they say, never say never.
In addition to race events, every summer Leadville hosts Boom Days, a three-day celebration of the town's mining history. Think reenactments, mining competitions, a car show, parade. On Boom Days, there's always the borough race. Growing up, maybe I only saw it twice, and it was just a thing that happened. Running 20 miles with an ungulate didn't interest Marvin. Until two years ago when his friend Paul invited him on a training run with his pair of bonded donkeys. Donkeys get anxious when they're separated. So Paul and Marvin met every other Wednesday and took the two donkeys out for a run. And then one thing led to another, and then finally there was a race. And I was like, so can I go ahead and race Stormtrooper was the name of that donkey? And he's like, sure. Marvin signed up for his first borough race, a seven-mile course in Victor, Colorado, with 1,400 feet of up and down. Marvin and Stormtrooper gathered at the starting line with the other teams. The sprinters lined up in front, the long-distance runners in the middle, and the slower or less competitive runners in the back. Marvin wasn't sure what to expect, so he lined up in the rear. And then literally they fire a gun, and when that gun goes off, it is like an all-out sprint. They raced out of town, most at a five to eight minute mile pace. Thanks to fresh legs, a pack mentality, and a cheering crowd that can spook the donkeys, these races start fast. The terrain was pretty standard for a borough race. Pavement through town, then gravel roads, dirt trails, and single track. It topped out at almost 10,000 feet before it looped back to town. Marvin learned a lot about burrows and racing in that first course. Some teams were competitive, others less so. Some racers borrowed their donkeys, others rented. Many of the donkeys were BLM rescues. Most of all, everyone, humans and donkeys alike, seemed to be having a blast on the mountain. Because whether it's uh, a small pen that they're cooped up in or, you know, a big pasture field, like that's kind of boring for them. But this gives them a reason or a job, per se, to get out and interact with humans. And, and I do feel that donkeys love interaction with humans. An hour and 20 minutes after the start, Marvin and Stormtrooper crossed the finish line in ninth place. And then I was just after that, I don't know, I was kind of hooked. Racing is a tough sport, not just because of the terrain. Running at high altitudes, in the heat of summer, under the infamous afternoon thunderstorms of the Rocky Mountains, through creeks, down gullies, and up switchbacks, it's also tough because you're running with a donkey. They're not exactly known for their cooperation. You might start with a plan. And it ain't your plan. It's not even your race. It's their race. And you're the GPS. And it's your job to navigate them through this race. <laughs> you will be there. You better pack a lunch when you're dealing with donkeys because you're on what we call donkey time. And donkey time means that if you don't know how to broker the deal and you haven't built a relationship with your ass, you are going to be there for a while. This is Brad Wan with the Western Packboro Association. Their pun, not mine. Packboro Racing honors the old Western history of miners striking gold up in the high country and racing back to town to get the mining claim. Strong and sure-footed burrows carried the tools. Because of this, burrows are required to carry a regulation pack saddle, pickaxe, shovel, and a gold pan at all times during the burrow race. Apparently, it's also a good idea to carry a headlamp in case you get caught on donkey time. The burrows wear a halter that's connected to a 10 to 15 foot lead rope. At no point in time can you ride your burrow, 
if you want to carry your burrow, you can. You could push your burrow. You could pull your burrow. Um, they say no whipping your burrow except for the lead rope. You know, they don't want to have any whips, but you don't really see anybody out there whipping their burrows now. Any mistreatment of a burrow is grounds for disqualification. If a runner gets separated from their burrow, they must go back to the place they became separated before moving on. Runners can run behind, beside, or in front of their burrows. Where the runner wants to be in relation to his or her burrow depends on how fast it's moving, which is really up to the donkey, and can spontaneously fall anywhere between dead still and an all-out sprint. Sometimes the burrow just can totally outrun you, and if you can't hold it back, you're going to lose them. And you have a choice to hang on and get drug, which some people do, or you just let it go. Sometimes the burrow will prefer to trot or walk at a more parade pace. Sometimes the burrow will refuse to move forward whether that's over a bridge or over the finish line. Literally, some will not cross that line. So it's like you're pushing or pulling your donkey to finish that line now. I haven't had that problem yet, but a lot of the finishes literally come down to the last five feet, maybe two feet, because it's who's going to get the nose of that donkey to cross the finish line first. According to their website, the Western Packboro Association is celebrating 72 years of hauling ass. Again, their pun, not mine. Packboro racing is Colorado's official summer heritage sport. There are nine races in Colorado, two in Arizona, and one in California. Distances range from about six miles to 29. In my book, every donkey is a winner. Just listen to these names. Yukon, Pandora, Mary Margaret, Maverick, Goose, Cheeto, Sugar Shack, Marshmallow, Princess, Donkers, and Burrito. And let's not forget donkeys Justin, Charlie, Amanda, and Marsha. After his first race, Marvin wanted a donkey of his own. I just liked the idea of having your own burrow to train and create that bond with and and run with. Marvin and his wife Lisa found some BLM donkeys up for adoption in Arizona. They got a trailer and road trip south. The first donkey they laid their eyes on was Ricky Bobby. He was young, rough, and wild. I don't know, just kind of had that twinkle in his eye, and I just knew that it was going to be a fun experience moving forward. And then there was another little baby um, burrow, uh, BLM, wild donkey there. My wife just looked at me, and I knew exactly what she was thinking. I get one, she gets one. Marvin and Lisa came home with two donkeys, Ricky Bobby and Napoleon Dynamite. They started working with them, going on walks and eventually running. Within weeks, the idea of burrow racing spread further in the family. It was my daughter. She's like, I want to do some burrow racing. Marvin's daughter Jules was young, and Marvin worried she wouldn't be able to wrangle a full-size donkey, which sparked the idea of finding a miniature. Plus, mini donkeys are adorable, and Marvin knew it. When he started asking around and looking online, he found a few in New Mexico. When Marvin and his dad arrived, the donkey was bigger than he hoped for and wilder. He wasn't sure it was the right fit for his daughter. Despite the long drive, he decided not to take it home. And then we were eating, I don't know, some hamburger joint. And here we are looking on Craigslist. And we saw there were other donkeys, miniature donkeys, that just popped up on Craigslist. And it was like 20 minutes from where we were. They were a little bit more money. And I was like, no, Dad, let's just go home. And he's like, no, let's just go. Let's just go and we could just, you know, see them. And if you don't want them, you don't have to take them. So anyways, we went and met those donkeys. And the first thing, we go into their corral, Buttercup comes up to me and I was just like, oh dang, this is the one. Buttercup's owner had two other donkeys and wasn't really keen on breaking up the bonded group. Marvin left New Mexico with three donkeys, Buttercup, Snickers, and Comet. 
and the owner thought Buttercup and Snickers might be pregnant. In the course of about three months, the Sandovals had gone from zero donkeys to five, maybe seven. It's kind of like running your first 5K and then following it with a marathon, 50-mile bike, 100 bike, 10K, and a 100-mile run. The 2019 race season approached as Marvin continued to train with Ricky Bobby. But Marvin learned that at a year and a half, he was too young to compete. Marvin had his own herd of donkeys, but none he could race. It looked like he'd be running with Paul's donkey stormtrooper again. I remember telling my wife, I'd rather finish in the back of the pack with my own donkey than in the front of the pack with somebody else's. When the pregnancy test came back negative for Snickers and Buttercup, Marvin started training with Snickers. But two days before the first race, they were out on a run and Snickers started limping. So I looked at Buttercup and she came up to me and I was like, okay, let's see what happens. All I did is I fitted that saddle on her, took her for one short run, and then the next day was a race. I just never pictured running her because she was so small and cute and cuddly and I just didn't think that she would be very good at it. In early June, Marvin and Buttercup ran their first race together, a 14-mile donkey dash in the small town of Creed, Colorado. Along with about 55 other teams, they lined up at the start in downtown Creed, this time in the front. There was another racer there, and uh, his name's Jake. No, his donkey's <laughs> name is Jake. <laughs> and he looked down at Buttercup, and I remember him looking at me, and he goes, I don't know if you should be towards the front because you might get run over. And I was like, we'll be good. And they were. When the gun went off, Buttercup dashed down Main Street and out of town with short, fast strides. Marvin chased close behind. They kept up with the pack as they ran through the mining district outside of town. Eventually, they took the lead. And then, you know, other people would pass and like, okay, well, we're not going to win. It's okay. It's our first race. Marvin and Buttercup got devoured on the downhill. It's something a lot of teams practice, and Marvin took note. They kept at it, though. And on that course, Marvin and Buttercup started to become a team. It's not always the fastest person, it's not always the fastest burrow, but it's when you have a combination of basically a donkey or a burrow that likes to run and you have a person that could keep up with that donkey and that relationship between the two. In their first race, Marvin and Buttercup took third place. Marvin's family cheered him to the finish. Brad, with the association, was also there. How are you? <laughs> and welcome aboard. And oh my goodness, you got some wheels there, sir. And you know, uh, what a beautiful donkey. Um, and that, that burrow buttercup is all heart. And uh, that's what the true meaning of this sport is, is it's you never know. You never know what team can pull it off and win a race. Little Buttercup was a racing donkey after all. Okay, I'm sorry, Jules, but Buttercup's my donkey now. Their next competition would be the World Championship. Always up for a good challenge, Marvin was determined to see how far he and Buttercup could go. They focused on training. Marvin had become a personal endurance coach, so he had some experience. Sort of. 
Because I know what works really good for humans, you know, you got to run lots of miles and some of those miles fast. And so when I'm out there running with her, I try to put in a lot of time with her, most of it easy and slow. But you're also going to have to get in so those fast miles. They worked on their downhill running and their sprinting. They also worked on their communication. Marvin worked on hand signals and experimented with his own giddy-up language. A little bit faster. Hip, hip. Maybe most importantly, they worked on trust. Good girl, Buttercup. It's truly, I would say, like a team sport. Because if you push the donkey or you hold the donkey back, like they're going to get frustrated. They have their mind kind of set up and they're not going to put themselves in any harm danger. So if you come across a bridge, for an example, that they're not used to, they're not just going to cross the bridge. They're going to look at it, think it over, process it before they decide, you know what? Seems safe. Um, and then they'll go across it. But so it's literally training that burrow to cross bridges, go through creeks, step over sticks. That month they trained a lot and got into a groove. Buttercup would come running to the gate and she was ready. And she would just stand there, wait for me to put on her halter. And once the halter was on, like she was ready to take off. Like she thoroughly enjoys running. By late July, they were as ready as they were going to be for the big one the 71st annual World Championship Packboro Race. Athletes from all over the world come to this one-of-a-kind mountain marathon. Thousands of spectators swell the small town of Fairplay, Colorado, whose population is about 730 people. The race itself is stout. It starts at almost 10,000 feet. Most years, it's 29 miles and climbs to over 13,000 feet at Mosquito Pass. The 2018-19 winter was a big snow year, so the course dropped to just 26 miles and turned around just short of the pass. My intention for that race, since it was going to be so long, was to not ever let her pull me and to never hold her back. While it's not unusual for a mini donkey to run these longer races, no mini had ever won. Historically, the burrows that cross the finish line first are either standard size or even mammoth size, which Buttercup could walk right underneath. She's definitely one of the smaller ones, but it doesn't mean that she can't run. After the break, Marvin and Buttercup line up for the World Championship. And support comes from Kuat Racks. They just released the Ibex, an overlanding truck bed rack that handles substantial loads both on and off the grid because being off the grid is dope. Constructed from lightweight yet durable aluminum, the black powder coat is made for all the nature you can throw at it. Available in six different frame sizes to accommodate most truck models, the Ibex is engineered for adventure with versatile full and half height configurations. For more details, visit kuat.com. Kuat, because you will absolutely love this bedrock and all the dope places you go. On race day, Marvin and Buttercup joined about 90 other runners and donkeys in downtown Fairplay. About 70 of those teams competed in a shorter 14-mile course. The runners hydrated and stretched while the donkeys grazed. Trail runners and hooves gathered at the starting line. Some runners were wearing cowboy hats. Some teams had on costumes. It doesn't look like a regular marathon. Donkeys don't line up shoulder to shoulder in a single file with one hoof on their mark. They're all different sizes facing different directions. Marvin and Buttercup are with the big donkeys up front. That's where it gets interesting because some donkeys 
whether they get irritated or they just get very antsy because they know that they're about ready to have a time of their lives just running. But at the start of that race, man, some donkeys are very like, it's kind of scary because some are bucking and some are just sitting there nice and chill, but they're all antsy. In typical burl race fashion, it started fast. Marvin wasn't familiar with the course, so he and Buttercup tucked in behind other runners. They left town and headed up towards the pass. It was sunny and hot, and the landscape was bursting with wildflowers. When the trail widened and the racers spread out, Marvin and Buttercup started working their way to the front. And then literally for the rest of that race, like every checkpoint, basically every little aid station, like we were just in the front. And it wasn't like, you know, by a lot, but, you know, five feet, two feet. And when another bro would kind of get up in front of us, we'd just keep running, and then she would just slowly catch back up and go to the front. There was a steep, rocky climb going up to the pass, and Marvin and Buttercup lost ground. They hit the turnaround point behind four other teams. But I did know that we were working on our downhill running, so once it turned around that we would be fine. Buttercup crushed the descent and took back the lead. The terrain softened and other teams caught up at times, but Buttercup dug in and stayed in front. And I think closer to the finish we got the faster she started going. I'm running up the road and two other bro racers, uh, like, Marvin, Marvin, you're off course. And I look back and I was like, oh my God, I'm gonna lose this race because I just went off course. Marvin thought the course went back into town the way they came out, but instead it takes a turn into a gravel quarry and he missed the signs. He felt bad because he lost the lead Buttercup had worked so hard for. And that's when she started like bucking and kicking and the way those saddles are when they kick and buck, like they just won't stay on because of the way they bend their back or whatever. So her saddle was falling off. So I kind of did the best I can, tied that thing back up. And then we took off and we got right back on course. And then that's when she just started sprinting and I was like at the end of the rope, keeping up the best I can. I was like on the verge of, do I drop this rope because I couldn't run any faster or do I just hang on and see what happens? And I just hung on and saw what happened. Maybe Buttercup was competing or maybe she was just eager to get to the trailer and the hay waiting at the finish, but she flew up the final climb in dragon mode, towing Marvin behind her. Main Street fair play and the finish were in view. I said, let's go, let's go, let's go. And I just started going and she just took off running fast and we went from fifth to fourth through third. And about 200 yards left, we just passed the guy that was in second place like he was standing still. And we finished, and I was like, oh my God, we just won the world championship. I just remember crossing the line and there was this little old lady comes up to me and she goes, did you just make that little donkey run the whole way? And I just, I couldn't stop laughing. She must have missed the part when Marvin was holding on for dear life behind Buttercup. Winning that race is a goal of many longtime Burl racers. And in only their second race together, Marvin and Buttercup made history. Buttercup was the first mini donkey to win the world championship. 
but it's all about that relationship with it. If that burrow trusts you, it will follow you and run with you and basically be your best friend. I think that bond that, you know, no matter what, like I'm just right there by her side and and she's right by my side. It's more about her than I think about me at this point because she's the one that is winning the races. I'm just hanging on. The World Championship race was the first of the Triple Crown. Each year there's a chance for a female and male runner to win it if they also come in first in the Leadville and Buena Vista races. Marvin and Buttercup had a shot. The next weekend, they lined up in Leadville at the same race Marvin remembers seeing as a kid. It was a demanding 21-mile course on their home turf. Some people say it's harder than the World Championship. It's shorter, but it also has about 4,000 feet of elevation gain and loss. It starts just above 10,000 feet in downtown Leadville and goes all the way to Mosquito Pass. Marvin and Buttercup raced well. By this point, they were in good shape and had good teamwork. Going down Mosquito Pass, we kind of created a gap. So we ran the whole second half of that race by ourselves. And coming into Leadville, like there was no other donkeys to compete with at that point in time. Marvin and Buttercup won the Leadville race with the second fastest time in course history. Maybe donkey time meant something different to Buttercup. That win meant they were still in the running for the Triple Crown. Marvin didn't expect to be a contender. He thought by now he'd be focused on the lead man, which he was also doing. The third race of the Triple Crown was a 13-mile course in Buena Vista. It was on the same weekend as the 100-mile mountain bike race and 10K run. When Marvin and Buttercup lined up for the Borough race, he was tired. I was kind of holding her back at the beginning of the race because I just did the Leadville 100 mountain bike race the day before, so I rode 100 miles the day before. A little bit faster. Hip, hip. 13 miles felt like a breeze compared to 100. Close to the finish, about six teams were galloping in line along a single track. The front two teams broke away, and Marvin thought his chance for the Triple Crown did too. But he and Buttercup kept running. Once the single track ended and they could get out of line, they filled in the gap. One of the leaders was Louise Kester and her burrow Pandora. She told her donkey, go home. And all of a sudden that donkey just like took off sprinting. And I was like, oh my God. And so I was doing everything I could to stay with them because now I'm like, okay, maybe we will catch him. Three teams battled to the finish and crossed the line within seconds of each other. Luis and Pandora came in first and also won the women's triple crown. Tracy Laughlin and Mary Margaret in second, and Marvin and Buttercup came in third and won the men's triple crown. Marvin also won the lead man that year. He's probably the only person to ever do that. To close out the season, he and Buttercup took first place in the final race in Victor. Marvin and Buttercup spent a lot of time together that summer. In these races, but also along the roads and trails near his home, without the saddle and without the pressure. They became friends and partners. You might even say a bonded pair. I asked Marvin what he's learned from Buttercup. Oh, that is an interesting one. I think what she's taught me is just, I don't know, to go out and get what you want. And I guess it's kind of just like anybody else, if you put your mind to it, like she puts her mind to it, even though she is what many used to consider the underdog or, you know, the impossible, that like you put your mind to it, you'll do what you want and finish where you believe you can. I don't know, I think it's everything that I've always believed, but now she's showing it to me in a different way. 
Back in the pasture, we're swarmed by all of Marvin's donkeys. He takes time to scratch them all and give them treats. He never thought he'd be a burrow racer. But after spending a little time with them, I can see how it happens. One invitation from a friend to run with a donkey, and before you know it, you have a small herd of your own. Marvin sees a gap in the crowd and runs, and Buttercup follows. Thank you, Marvin and Buttercup, for sharing your story. The team is training for their first race of the season right now. Follow along with Marvin at leadman underscore Marvin, plus some awesome pics of Buttercup. And make sure you're following us on Instagram at Dirtbag Diaries. We'll be posting photos as well, as we always do. Additional thanks to Lisa Sandoval and Brad Wan. And of course, thanks to Jules Sandoval, who's still angling for a mini donkey. So it might mean that we might have to get some more miniature donkeys. Because yes, I stole Buttercup from her. Music today from Bradley Carter, John Barry, Ken Christensen, Cordelia Zars, Little Glass Men, Kai Engel, and Brendan O'Connell. The tracks are courtesy of the artists themselves or Free Music Archive. Jacob Bain and Nice Koto composed our theme song. You can find links to the artists at our website, dirtbagdiaries.com. This episode was produced by Ashley Langholtz, Cordelia Zars, Becca Cajal, and me, Fitz Cajal. You've been listening to the Dirtbag Diaries. Thanks for tuning in. Mm-hmm.